1: Blog Talk Radio. Have it's happening
2: again? Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Doctor Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. www.yagain.org, And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show. Today is Friday, and this has been a fast week. July the 22nd, 2016. Our call-in number is 646 200 Six, nine, press one and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Hello, Michael. Okay, he must be having mute problems or connection problems. He's in another part of the house than I am. So I will just give an introduction while we're waiting on him to connect. You can go to our website, which is www.whyagain.org. And if you're not familiar with the work, the easiest thing to do is to click on the bullseye in the middle of the page, and that will take you to um, Chapter 24 of Michael's book. It takes you to all the worksheets, to MP3s, radio shows, about the forgiveness process where we've led someone through doing the uh, worksheet on the show and so those are there. There's all kinds of information tools worksheets for all the different uh, workshops that we do and just click on those and it's 5,000 pages so it'll take you forever to get through the website. You have questions you call into the radio show and we're here to support you. So Michael are you with us yet?
3: Oh, okay. I am, and I my phone is being a little funky.
2: That's <laughs> not real so. Theory. Hopefully, scratchy.
3: It's not clear. Well, I'm I'm right on top of the microphone and the headset, so maybe I've got a problem with my phone that I need to get fixed. Then, so is it coming through now? I can't hear you. Oh. Okay, well, pardon our technical difficulties again, folks. But uh, if someone could send me a text and tell me if you're hearing me at all or... Clearly, that would be helpful. I would appreciate that. In the meantime, welcome to the show. I'm honored and delighted that you're here, and we get this opportunity to share with you once again these absolutely awesome and powerful first-century Aramaic principles. I just put a post on my Facebook page, if you haven't um, friended us yet on on Facebook, and I just got a text that we are—I am being heard. So that's good. So I just put a, a, a post on my Facebook page. I'll invite everybody to uh, to friend me if you uh, have not, and it's J M underscore R Y C E. J M being Ginny and Michael, and I just posted a video that I came across. And you—if you've, you've been paying attention to my Facebook posts for a long time. You've heard me advocate the uh, ridding of our culture of police and replacing police with peace officers. That, you know, it would make a difference of night and day. And I came across, actually, um, a friend sent me a link to a video of a gentleman in Detroit who's going into neighborhoods as a peace officer. And when you hear his language, I actually posted saying, this is the guy that should be the presidential candidate. You know, if you listen to Yeshua 2,000 years ago, who knows about cause, he says, the power of life and death is in our words. If you listen to the words coming from the devil stage these days, you know it's about death. You know it's about destroying the culture. I mean, this hate, this fear, this rhetoric of rage and pain and trauma is just unresolved trauma that leads to more unresolved trauma. So here's a gentleman in Detroit going into the toughest neighborhoods where people are being murdered and house break-ins and, and, and just listen to his conversation, listen to his words. He says, yes, we do carry guns, but our gun is like a first aid kit. It's the last resort if we need it. But the, the people that I recruit, I do not allow former military who want to shoot somebody. I do not allow people with anger into our patrols. And We have free children's classes, and if somebody can't afford our services, we have corporations that pay us well, so we're doing our services for the public for free. And, you know, maybe we should – this is a case where we should be privatizing and taking the use of violence and force out of the mouths and out of the hands of the political system who have this – what should I say? They have a, a monopoly on violence and remove that monopoly and put it into the hands of people who have the capacity for language based in love and peace. And he speaks about patrolling neighborhoods out of love for the people who are there and the desire to make sure those people get home, and and speaks about creating a prosperous outcome even for the criminals they confront. Now this is a man who understands how the world works. I think he should be a writing candidate for president. He would change the globe. He would change the country. Just listen to the consistency of his language. You know, we, we talked a, a lot over there, we have over the years, talked about regulatory speech, something we cover in great depth in the um, laws of living class, and that our speech is an indicator of what we're going to do, of what it's about, for us, what our creative process is about. You know, Shakespeare informs us, my words fly up, my thoughts remain below. In other words, I'm driven unconsciously, but my words will tell you what I'm going to do. If you listen to the language of what's happening in these political campaigns, you know what they're going to do, and it is not going to be pretty. All the promises sound great, but listen to the underlying language. I invite you, and, you know, here's a man who doesn't know anything about our work. I don't know him from Adam's cat. But I listen to his language, and his regulatory speech is perfectly consistent, just naturally perfectly consistent. I have no idea what kind of inner work he's done, how he's arrived at that place, Or if it's natural born for him, but listen to his regulatory speech and all the way through, it's perfectly consistent to creating the kinds of outcomes that he's actually talking about, which are outcomes of prosperity based in love. And so, you know, it's time for us to take action. I I do have people who uh, give me kind of nasty looks and nasty phone calls about some of my posts on Facebook because I'm inviting people to look at the truth. You know, those who can't look at history are condemned to repeat it because history is energetically structured in our genes. And what is structured in our genes, unless it is confronted and healed, is going to play out. And when people play the nicey-nice game, oh, I'm a positive thinker, I don't ever look at those things, They're deluding themselves and walking themselves down a pathway that, with the predominant resonant energy of the culture right now, is going to be pretty hard on everybody. Those who are able and willing to look at the truth of what's going on, as ugly as it might be, and are able to either, if that ugly truth brings up pain in them, are willing to do the work of healing their pain, or they've already done the work and they bring a mind of love to it, then they become healers of those energetic dynamics that need to be confronted, dealt with, and healed. And so I invite you to look, and where you're not willing to look, there's where your work is. Just give a listen to this video and listen to this man's speech all the way through and what he's created, and this is something he's been doing for 20 years. He talks about one neighborhood they went into, their house break-ins or murders. And they don't happen anymore. They have never had to, and he speaks about we don't resort to the courts, we resort to love. We resort to peacemaking. Nobody's ever been shot. They've never had to go into a courtroom and charge anybody with anything. None of their officers have ever been lost. That's what we can create when we realize that it's about peace officers not about being policed. Police states have murdered more people down through the ages, And if you just take a look at the direction it's going, you know, I, I don't have the numbers. actually i started to do a post on it. I haven't completed it yet. but you know, uh, Homeland Security has given police departments across the country billions and billions and billions of dollars. And there was an interview the other day uh, out of the, the DNC where they're interviewing the head of the police union, and they're saying, "Well, we're just so underfunded. Like give us more money and we'll create more violence and viciousness. Now, I believe there are a lot of police officers. I've met many of them. I've interacted with many of them over the years. I've gone into classrooms and taught them. Awesome, wonderful people. But those people, even those who are awesome, wonderful people, need to be ferreted out of the language system. You know, it's kind of like a, a, a classroom. You know, if if you look at the public education system it started in prussia and what the the generals discovered is if they brought kids out of their homes and put them into public education they had good killers they had good soldiers because they could structure their minds and that's where public education started so you take a kid who's brought up in a gentle warm loving environment with constructive regulatory speech and you put him in a room with the derelict who's been abused and, you know, comes from a family system of abuse. And you're going to end up having that energy unless someone really knows how to use the tools as a child and is schooled in that. to there's, there's it's going to rub off on them. The wonderful people that are there with a caring heart in the police department departments need to be ferreted out of the vicious language that often governs and rules that whole profession. Just look at any video, you know, just, just look at any kind of raid that you see and listen to the language. And you know that they're not going in there to create peace and a result that's constructive. They're going in there as macho little boys who haven't resolved their own rage and pain, and they're going to play their pain out with somebody else. And sadly, the same thing applies in the military to a great degree. And so it's just a wake-up call. You know, it's a great line in The Course of Miracles. that says, you may wonder why you must look upon your hatred. I work with people who work with the Course. and are like, oh, well, I, we want it to be all nicey-nice. Nice. The Course isn't about nicey-nice. Nice. The Course says, do not hide any darkened part of your mind, or you will be hiding a place where healing is not welcome. So the willingness to step forward – the willingness to be with what is as ugly and nasty as it might be, and then developing the skills to hold fast to your human life in the presence of that is what's going to bring healing to the planet. People who live in fear of those dynamics contribute to. You know they say, "I want a wonderful world, but in their fear they contribute to a fear-based world. Yeshua refer to this in the physics terms, 2,000 years ago, it was a house divided against itself. He said, any state, city, nation, or person, or family that is divided against itself cannot stand. And when on one level we're saying wonderful things, but in our hearts there's something else going on, the heart rules, take care of the heart for out of it are the issues in life. So each of us, and what Yeshua was inviting people to do 2,000 years ago, was to go in and clean up their own hearts, their own unconscious minds, and come to a place where they could create a different world than the one that's been created out of hostility and fear so that's what we're here to support that's just one perspective on it and the major tool of course as Jeannie was saying is the tool of forgiveness forgiveness not being I let you off the hook for what's happening in me you know whenever I hear somebody say but I've already forgiven my mother, my father, my sister my brother, my kids, my parents, my former spouse my present spouse I've even forgiven my future spouses what I know is That person has done zero forgiveness work today, absolutely zero forgiveness work. If you're still talking about how you forgave them, you forgave yourself, you're doing nothing with forgiveness whatsoever. Pardoning work? I let them off the hook. I let me off the hook? Yes, nice thing too, but that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is the tool that you actively engage in to go inside of yourself and remove anything based in hostility or fear. So that's the single thing that we're here to support and bringing that tool to every mind, heart, and being on the planet so that we can actually create a planet that's designed to house humans. And if you don't know what a human is, hold the newborn child. You know exactly what human life is. Anybody who's not functioning without that sweet presence of love, I don't care whether it's the policeman, the congressman, the presidential candidate, if they're not functioning out of love, if their minds don't have that connection to a proper power supply, then their minds are dysfunctional in the world they create. As wonderful as some of their words might be about promises, promises, promises. Yep, just gather what the population wants and tell them you'll give it to them. And tell them you're going to give it to them by shutting other people out, abusing others, killing others, and, and, and you got crazy. You got crazy. So we're here to work toward healing. Of course, our own craziness, because we're all in this boat together. I don't know anybody that's finished, but really creating a community based in human life and the active presence of love. And we're glad that you're here to share the space with us to do that. And let's check in with Jeannie and see if there's anybody with a uh, an issue to uh, to talk about in the chat room, or anybody with a hand up in the phone queue, sweetie.
2: It's quiet in the chat room, and nobody has their hand up. So if someone presses one, you'll be first in line without waiting. Great. Well, then,
3: if, um, if I were sitting at the or, – or doing this presentation, what I've just said as an introduction, in your hometown, I was in your local library or your local church or your local synagogue or your local uh, university – And I walked down off the platform after saying what I just said. What would you be coming over and asking me? I know you'd have a question for me. Because because what I just said does not resemble sanity in the way the world thinks. And
2: Have a hand up.
3: Oh, great. Well, then let's see what we've got to say.
2: 541, you're on the air. Is this Julie? Yes. Hey there, young lady.
3: What's on your mind today?
1: Well, I just want to report that my um, oral surgery is beautifully, and I appreciate the space that you are the leverage
3: you did. You're cutting out. Oh, so if you can
1: get to a little better phone. place for your phone. Yes, I'm going to stand in one place. Is it better now? No? You're good. Yes. Oh, good. Okay. Well, I just want to thank you. I got through the oral surgery really well yesterday, and I had very little swelling, um, and they tell you to put ice on it, and I was not able to get to some ice, and the swelling went away anyway. So I, I trusted that the body needs to swell for a while to heal. And for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what I'm talking about, I had two teeth extracted yesterday, and I was a little nervous about it. And it just went beautifully, and I appreciate the blessings and the states that you held to me there at the end of the show yesterday. And um, I'm just, I I, I realize, or I'm getting to the point where I'm not, okay, how do I say this? Ah, I'm able to create different results in my life because I'm doing the forgiveness work. It really works. Awesome. So the fear was, um, something that I was willing to energetically release my devotion to. So, anyway, yay. And um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's so great to do this work.
3: Well, that's fabulous, and uh, I'm glad to hear the hands were guided, and it went easily and smoothly, and we see your healing being extremely rapid. And, who yeah. you know, you... Know, you You could even produce two new tooth buds in those uh, openings to seed two new teeth and have them grow. That has been known to happen, you know, people getting a full third set of teeth. Now, I've lost, you know, when I was a kid I had a dentist who liked to drive a bulldozer through my mouth, so I've lost several teeth. And I've been working on that one for a while. I haven't had it happen yet, but it has happened it's possible. So I'll hold the space that... You know if the energy's there for you to do that, that mm-hmm. you are able to do that, and anybody else that's listening, you know what it takes well, to grow a new tooth yeah. is for tooth buds to be there, and that's where the tooth grows from. And there are cases where people who've lost all of their teeth, their second set of teeth, and have grown a full third set. So, we're all the space for that for you and me. Well,
1: I th- I will align with that and and um, and um, give my. My energetic devotion to the critical mass for that to happen for everyone. Yay! Who wants it? Yeah. So that's really good news, and I'm I'm also remembering a week or so ago when you were sharing about how your son, at a young age, I believe it was your son, was just so focused on healing things himself instead of everybody rushing to put a band aid on it. You know. Could you share that again? That was exactly, amazing. Yeah. Well, there are two times
3: where I've watched my son do things that I haven't been able to do, and he was brought up with this thinking and taught from day one, although, of course, he's got genes just like everybody else, so there are those genetic influences that sometimes inhibit us from being perfect at it. But I remember one time, he was probably about four, and we were at the beach, and there were sandspers. And he ran out in the sand, and the bottoms of his tender little feet were just filled with sandspers. And he was just crying away. We took him back to the place we were staying, and we're going to start to get the tweezers out and pull those out. And he says, No, Dad, just leave me alone for a minute. So we leave the room, and we leave him alone. And just, I don't remember exactly how long, but it was just a matter of minutes later, he comes out, and there are no sandspers in the sheep. Now, I have no idea how he did that, but he was totally free. There were no little pieces left. So that's one, one thing. I don't know if that's what you're referring to, but it's a second time where one of the things we used to uh, to tell our kids when they were small was that they were energy systems. And then if an energy came in that would create an energy that would interfere with the normal energy pattern, that they were able to brush that off. We were with our granddaughter and daughter and Krista the other day, and She's changed the language of it a little bit. She has her daughter shake it off. But we used to just show them to just brush the energy. You know, if they they bump themselves, we'd explain that, well, bumping yourself means that there's an energy from the wall that you hit that is impacted in the cells in there and it's circulating around in the cells, and that's what creates the redness, the swelling, and the injury. So you can be in charge of that, and you can just brush the energy off. And I watched him once cut his hand wasn't a big cut, but it was a, a significant enough cut that it was bleeding fairly well. And I watched him brush his hand across it, and the cut disappeared. I watched him do it. So there are two cases wow. I've seen him do it. So Now, am I able to do that? Mm, no. I can shake things off pretty quickly, but I haven't got to that place. But I realized that you know, in the last 30 generations of my bloodline, there are 1.7 billion people in my genes. And that all believed in injury and physicality, and you know once it's injured, you can't fix it, and on and on and on. So you know the process of uh, of healing is a progressive one. Gene and I were talking about this the other day. you know we have been on the road, and we had a few days of very intense. We were eight months in the same place. It was kind of cool to sleep in the same bed for eight months, and all haven't done that in about thirty years, but uh we uh, we were packing several days of very intense activity and Jeannie made the comment of well Michael you don't believe in age but uh, it's clear that we're not doing this as easily as we used to it's like well Well, that's true I mean I'm real clear that I'm showing signs of aging but I'm also clear that I've got I have many generations have believed in aging to process through and so I'm committed to continually processing through it and the measure won't be am I successful at keeping my physiology integrated for eternity? That won't be the measure of the success. It will be that I'm planting the seeds in my genetics for my bloodlines to free themselves of the energetic insults that we are able to handle when we have the tools, the awareness, and the knowledge. And so, and at the same time, I can see in many cases where. I have much more vitality than I had 40 years ago in dealing and handling things and, you know, lifting and moving Mm -hmm. things, and, you know, we're on the road and we're packing, and, I mean, I have much more vitality, and, you know, I can easily, which I was never able to do in my younger years, get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and, yes, I normally take a nap during the middle of the day, but if I don't get to do it, at 10 o'clock I can still carry on and do what needs to be done. So it's a process. And um, I don't know anybody's finished with the process yet, but I sure hold the space to get finished with it.
1: Well, I just think when you're saying this, it's reminding me that um, the word generations, um, you've brought a new light to, for me, recently in recent months. I'm not sure when you first mentioned it. But, you know, about the CIA declaring that, you know, that's what the mind is is as a unit or a device that generates. And, So now I'm starting to layer the the double meaning of the mind generating is just an energetic activity, right? And it produced bloodline generations. And so we can go in, like you say, and, and undo what is locked into any of our bloodlines by just recognizing that it's energy. And... Anyway, I, um, I'm i starting to, you know, the, the thing is, I think what's brilliant about the worksheets is that it goes in and it brings closure to the energetic generations generating power of some thought or some um, illusory reality that we wanted to make real, whatever it is. It goes in and it, it offers a way to bring closure to it instead of it just, being so ongoingly unconscious out there somewhere or in there somewhere. So um, I think that's a really important step in the process and just let it be that step each time you do a worksheet. It doesn't have to be significant or how many generations am I carrying around? You know, it's it's not quantity, it's quality in that moment.
3: Doing your work, exactly. And you know, if you remember that story from of the Jews wandering in the desert for 40 years, and you think about it logically, how does a bright group of people like this get lost in a 30-square-mile area for 40 years? It wasn't about a physical hot sanding place. The desert is another scriptural code word for the unconscious. People are lost in the generational patterns and function unconsciously, and those patterns from the generations. For instance, you know, if, if you sit down and do the numbers... In 30 generations, there are approximately 1.7 billion people in each of our genes. Now, is it encoded in my cellular structure for me to die? Well, if I look logically, 1.7 billion people in my bloodline are dead. So, you know, it's got to be encoded in there pretty deeply. The, To me, one of the skills that I work on developing and invite people to develop is the, the willingness and the ability to go into every nook and cranny of the mind, the emotions, and the genes, learn to decode what's there, and throw out what doesn't belong. So the repeated pattern of death of, you know, the the 30 generations is something that needs to be confronted over and over and over again. You know, when they said to Yeshua, how many worksheets do we have to do around this issue? How many times do we need to forgive? Is seven enough? And his answer in Aramaic was, no, 77 times 70, an infinite number of times until you're complete with it. So, And and people will oftentimes get frustrated. Well, you know, gee, I've been doing this for two weeks. Shouldn't I be finished now? Excuse me? How many years in your life alone did it take you to get where you are? Well, you know, I'm 55, so it's taken me 55 years. So, So you've been doing this for two weeks, and you think you should be done with 55 years of insanity <laughs> and 30 generations. It's like, no develop some patience, you know, the, you look at that scriptural thing that says, you know, wait upon the creator. going this is going to take some time. And learning how to ask the right questions, learning to utilize the tools and the instant things come up and stop this game of actually believing that when your mind is in some form of hostility or fear, that your perception even resembles truth. I mean, it's amazing how many people think they're exempt from it. Well, I'm in my hostility about you, and and my hostility about you is true because my mind always tells me the truth. Excuse me. You're just doing your power person dynamic. Don't tell me that crap. Oops. I'm Excuse the noise. So you're playing out your person, power person dynamic, and it's just time to let go of that and recognize that if I'm in hostility, my mind is a giant liar. That's all. If I'm in fear, my mind is a giant liar. That's all. And to love truth enough to stop talking about other people as though they're the cause of your disturbance and upset is the only way to clean up disturbance and upset. And it's interesting how many people say, oh, yeah, I want to be finished with all that disturbance stuff. But every time it comes up, they talk about somebody else, and they talk to somebody else about how it's all their fault, if only they'd be different. And then, of course, if they look back and look at their power person dynamic, they'll find that their power person, relative to their power person, they could never do anything right, and their power person was always trying to convince them what was wrong with them and giving them their daily dose of disapproval. And so somebody plays that one out, and they actually think their mind's telling them the truth. It's like, it's Mm. insane. There's only one way the mind tells the truth, and that's when it's connected to love. And so that's the work, in
1: essence. And, you know, when the mind is giving us that, you know, evidential corrupt data, um... You know, to just stand in the truth of who we are and say I'm recognizing this as not true and I don't need to analyze it further because when we ask Luca the Kucha to help, and you know, then we know that it will be lifted from us. We don't have to organize it first and analyze it first because then we're attached to it again. We're keeping it. So... We just be aware and breathe and allow. And and then the realizations come later, you know, anyway, which is a, a higher grade of analysis, you know, and then we design our life from there.
3: And the key is not to be aware and allow. I offer the key is to be aware and embrace and love.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: To keep love conscious, yeah. active, and present in the middle of the muddle There's a tremendous practice to do. Mm-hmm. The,
1: the jewel, the jewel rock lost. right? Absolutely. Is that what they, yeah. Well, Michael, I'm, I'm just, and also speaking of energy, just as soon as those teeth were gone and all of the interfering energies of infection and abscess and all that stuff, was gone. I felt immediate energy results physically. I just have been feeling so good. So, you know, um, there's so many rewards in doing this work. It's just so beautiful. And I, well, I, I just, you know, I trust, I trust, well, oh, how do I put this? I got a really good insight the other day that, um, I am love, all right, based on that, I am love, I am life, I am integrity, I am um, the book of life, you know, the, the, a book is like the words that you speak about and it's what's written and it's, what's, it's what will be written or is already written. It's not about time, but it's a record of that which, has taken place that we've used our life energy to um design. And we can undesign once we're aware enough, you know, we can look into anything and say, I would like to undesign that and bring a new awareness to what I'm designing now. And I'm just right now I'm just saying what your worksheets are all about. That's what they do for us. Trusting them. Um,
3: anyway, actually, what you've just done is you've described the workshop on creating consciously. That the moving oh, really? out of unconscious creation into conscious creation is the game.
1: Yeah. Okay. You know, probably ah, one of the greatest
3: atrocities, and I know you've heard me say this before, but one of the greatest atrocities mm-hmm. done to us as human beings down through the ages, and that we've bought into is that we've had hidden from ourselves the fact that we are by nature creators, that we're creative beings, which is a wonderful idea that everybody loves when the creation is going well. (laughs) But when it's not going so well, doesn't everybody know who's to blame? And it's always them. And it it is a huge piece of learning when you're in the middle of your muddle, your hostility or fear-based perception, to stop and say, hmm, this is my hostile and fear-based perception. My mind is telling me a lie. My mind is generating this picture out of corrupt data and probably out of my power person dynamic. I think I'll stop whacking the person in front of me with my errant perception and go inside myself and collapse it until I can get back to a connected space of love and then address what needs to be addressed. You know, it's a huge piece of learning. It's a process that, you know, as far as I know, it's pretty much new to planet Earth in the last 2,000 years, in just the last 35 or 40 years. So, you know, it's a, it's a process that um, takes time to engage and to bring forward.
1: And it's, it's it's the living church that Yeshua was talking about. It's the walking and breathing and, and being in the now moment of the forgiveness when it's needed, you know, doing that work in every living moment um, that keeps us in the true living of the church. It's not a structure or a belief system or a, a blame system, you know, a belief system designed to be a blame system. <laughs> so anyway. You got
3: it, young lady. Nice work.
1: Yeah. I better let someone else come in here and add to the, the fullness and body of our mind. Um as we are in this moment. <laughs> okay, well we we'll look what forward
3: I'm... to seeing you at Heartland in just a few weeks.
1: Oh I know. You know what? I there's some things working out maybe for that and I don't know yet. So
3: awesome. I, well All I
1: right. know on one level I do know. Okay.
3: <laughs> it's in the conversation, so
1: Yes it is, yes. Okay, thank you.
3: It's going to be it's, good, this, this particular this particular laws of living class is going to be a fairly small one, seeing as how we haven't been in the road all year. So there's going to be a lot of individual attention possible in this workshop that normally isn't with a larger one. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be pretty fabulous.
1: And and is it, um, is it the first time for most of the participants or their second time too?
3: Uh, there will be both. Uh, new students and uh, repeating students. You know? In order for somebody to teach, they have to go through Laws of Living twice. The first time, there's certification for completion, and then the second time, then they're open to uh, to being able to teach. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm aiming am
1: that. And I don't know if you're following
3: look. Susan. Cool. I don't know if you're following Susan on Facebook, but she's just uh, structuring. And I think she said she's got six or seven people for her. 5th Laws of Living class in Wilmington, North Carolina. And she's just, she's got people, she almost started last Monday. She contacted me and said, I got so many people who are just saying, we we, we need to do this now. But she almost started Monday and then she realized it was just too quick a notice. But congratulations, Susan, on what you're doing. If you're out there, call in, share with us, inspire us. Yay, Susan, yes. That
1: is an inspiration for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, huh. young lady, we'll be That's in touch. Yes we will.
2: Okay. Bye. Okay, bless
3: Take care, bye bye.
2: We have Talk. another caller.
3: Oh great, let's go for it.
2: Area code two zero seven, you're on the air. Who do we have? Hello, my friend. This is Shelley.
0: Hey there, young man. Welcome. Thank you, sir. I have a oh, I need to know what your take is on something in the in the Bible. Like all the Bibles I've read and heard and People talk about, and probably even in the Quran, from some Muslims have been friends of mine, they talk about Christ, Yeshua, casting demons out of people. What is your take on that? Did, did they pervert that, or was he actually casting
3: demons out of people? Well, in Aramaic, the word demon there, you know, we, we're stuck with the Greek, the whole demon being this ugly, monstrous thing with wings and teeth enough to get us, is a Greek idea and it comes out of Dante's Inferno. But if you go back to the Aramaic, demon is speaking of a construct of the mind that self attacks and self destroys. So it's an accurate word from the Aramaic, but not accurate if you're thinking it's like sin. You know, it's a difference of night and day. If you think sin in Greek, you're a sinner. You better take this identity, then you can be saved. Blah blah blah, or Sin means, is an archery term that means you're off the mark. You just missed the bullseye. So are there constructs of mind? And I'd offer these are the constructs that Yeshua said. You know, when they said to him, is seven times forgiveness enough for this? He said, no, 77 times 70. That there will be issues that we bring with us that have been going on in our bloodline for so long. Again, think back. We're sitting on top of, you know, if we just count back 30 generations, 1.7 billion lives. And what I offer is that means that in your super cray computer called the body-mind unit, the most refined storage device that has ever been imagined by man, you could hook together every huge cray supercomputer on the planet and not start to approximate one human so-called body. But you realize you've got the attitudes, the actions, the thoughts, the feelings, the insanities, and the gifts of 1.7 billion people. So if there's a mindset that started, you know, 20 generations ago, and it's played out, you know, oftentimes mindsets like, say, for instance, alcoholism will skip a generation. So maybe it's something that started up 20 generations ago, then struck in the 18th generation who didn't know what to do with it, and, you know, they maybe got put in jail for it, and the 16th generation maybe, you know, destroyed themselves, and the 14th and, and moving on down. That's a demon that's a that's a an energetic construct that is so convoluted and so tricky and so complex that we tend to get lost in it and that's where they talked about you need someone to support you it's it's rare the person who can quote unquote save themselves or overcome that mindset you go back to the To Revelation says, to he that overcomes, he will not taste of the second death. He will become a pillar in the temple of my God and shall go out no more. This overcoming isn't something you do in a week or a month or a year or five years or 10 years or 20 years. It's a process. And each time another demon comes up, you dig out a worksheet and you start dismantling it. You start dissolving it. And you will know that your work has been effective because a circumstance will happen that you would have brought that demon up for you and you kind of take a breath and you look around and you go where is it? I should be in rage right now or I should be in fear right now or I should be attacking somebody right now and all of a sudden it, it actually shocks you that it just isn't there. You've dissolved the demon so you've thrown out the demon and what Yeshua was teaching was he wasn't going around with magic fingers going ding,
1: ding, ding, ding.
3: He was such a powerful active space of love and support that people could open those things so there's a, a great story of a woman who was possessed of a demon in the Aramaic context that created what they called an issue of blood for 12 years now for a woman in that culture that was really serious stuff because for 12 years she was considered unclean she couldn't see the family she couldn't go in the kitchen so pretty intense pretty heavy duty demon and There's this whole crowd of people, and she knows that if she can just catch his energetic support for a moment, she'll be free of it. They call it in the scriptures, touching the hem of his garment. So here's this whole crowd of people, and she goes in, and she does touch his energy field, and he says, I perceive virtue has left me. Who touched me? Now, when he says, I perceive virtue has left me, he's saying... There's an energetic shift of this presence of love in me that's occurred. Who got it? And, of course, Peter, you know, he kind of plays, you know, the word means rock. He kind of plays the dunce sometimes. He's like, duh, look, everybody's touching you. They all touched you. And and Yeshua says, no, this one was different. And, you know, in that culture, it was not acceptable for a woman to touch a man she didn't know. You know, think about the Middle Eastern stuff that we hear about today. Well, 2,000 years ago. And, and she certainly wouldn't touch a holy man that she didn't know. But she believes that it was him that healed her. You know, after Peter says, oh, look, everybody's touching you. What are you talking about? He said, this one was different. And then when she finally comes forward, he doesn't say, Ah, ah, ah. What, what did you think about what I did for you? Isn't that pretty cool? Look at the demon I cast out from you. The demon of a 12-year issue of blood, a really serious problem for you, lady, and I took care of it. No, what did he say? He said, your face made you whole. He said it was you opening your energy field with the willingness to receive the support that I offered. That's what made your healing occur. He didn't do magic. He was a powerful space, and those who were willing to be responsible for what was going on inside of them stopped pretending it was everybody else's fault and used the tools to move through it, they healed. You know, there were, It sounds like in that particular scenario, there were hundreds of people in the crowd. Only one person was healed. He wasn't doing magic, and it took the, the space of willingness of that woman to heal that issue in her. So that would be the healing of a demon. Would be my offering From the airbag
0: Okay So Can we take on Other energies From other people And make them ours And have to battle Those demons ourselves
3: If I have If I'm listening to 900 on my AM radio dial And I love the music But My AM radio is just a cheap little $10 transistor. Can I go over to my $200,000 stereo set and turn on the FM station, uh, the FM radio, and receive 900 AM in that dial? Not in the next million years I can't. Can I take on anything from anyone else that I don't have an energetic antenna or receiver for? Absolutely not. Now, a condition you know this is a principle we go into in laws of living. a condition in one mind can be transferred to another mind that is in resonance with that other mind. You know, if I've got two baby grand pianos and I go into one of them, and I cut out all the middle c strings. I get a pair of wire cutters and I cut every middle c string, and I go over to the first piano, and I hit middle C, can any strings in that second piano move in response to me hitting middle C in the first one? No. But if the middle C strings are intact in that second piano, and I hit middle C in the first, then out of the hundreds of hundreds of strings in that baby grand piano, the only ones that will be moving will be the middle C ones. So I have to have a receiver for the energy before it can touch me and if I have that receiver, then I don't have a choice about it. It's going to resonate that receiver in me. That energy is going to move in me. I now have two choices. I can say, look what you did to me. This is all your fault, and, boy, I'm getting away from you because you're a bad influence. Or I can say, "See, you know, I'm getting a sense of this energy in me that I realize is mine. That's the only way I can recognize it. And it seems like you may have a similar uh, energy that stimulated this for me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, seeing as how this is an energy I don't like, I'm going to forgive that receiver in me and free myself of the influence of that energy that's emanating from you. By the way, if you'd like to join me, come along. Let's do some forgiveness together and let's move through this. But no, I can't receive anybody else's energy but I can have the similar energy patterns in me stimulated by others' energy. That would be my take. Okay, so whenever,
0: let's say you resonate that in me, you're still going to have your original copy of it, and I'm just receiving the carbon copy that I have to clean up.
3: Well, you don't have to clean up the carbon copy of what I sent. You just clean up, you forgive that receptor site in you that... Caught the carbon copy, and that's where you've heard me kind of say, tongue in cheek, is, you know, when I send out your, I send, I get the original of what I send out, and they get the carbon copy, and I, you usually, you've heard me say, and they may not be home for delivery, and what that means is, that they may not have a receptor site, and so the energy just circles right back to me. So my work is.
0: But you're still going to keep your original carbon, your original copy.
3: Unless I forgive.
0: Unless you forgive. Forgiveness is
3: about when, I, when I'm when i given the gift of someone who shows up and resonates that in me, I apply forgiveness to that energetic pattern in myself, and I brush it off. I get rid of it. I forgive it. So that's okay. the original meaning of the word forgive. It's the removal of what never belonged. And actually, I, if you check on Facebook, uh, oh maybe a dozen or so posts back, you'll see a, uh, a song there. It's, it's pretty interesting from Tom Pettit, and it's called, uh, let's see, what was the new. I Forgive It All. I Forgive It All. Powerful line. Here's a guy who's kind of a country music singer, and he's got a song that's absolutely accurately referring to forgiveness. And I posted the video that goes with it. It's interesting. Sean Penn was involved in producing this uh, video, and the actor – any of you got the actor's name on the tip of your tongue? The guy who played Hannibal Lecter in, uh, in that series of movies. Sir that's Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins, right. So Anthony Hopkins, it's a black and white kind of presentation that goes along with this, I forgive it all. And, and basically that's the melody line of the, the song. I forgive it all. And you see him you know, as a, the man the age he is today. And he drives, he's driving back into his town and he's flashing back through all of the things that happened to him, back through his poverty-stricken childhood and his pained childhood. And you see him, as they're singing in the background, this, I forgive it all. And he's sitting and it it kind of gives a, a view of what most everybody has to face and deal with because he goes through and, you know, he goes through the town and he sees people and he's driving and he gets out of his car and he's going up to the house that he was raised in and he goes into the house and he goes upstairs and he sits on a stool and you can just see the pressure building. And all of a sudden he just starts to scream, I forgive it all. I forgive it all. Accurate piece of work around forgiveness, one of the first ones on the planet, aside from this work of, ah, it isn't, I forgive them. You know, I, I can only assume in this situation it was probably mom or dad that was involved in the demons that he took on from childhood. But here's Tom Petty putting out a song. It isn't about? Okay, mom, I forgive you. Okay, dad, here I am in our old homestead and I forgive you for all that abuse. It's just going inside and being ready to let it go. Being ready to release this powerful video. So put it, go to the, the uh, Facebook page and, and look it up. It's pretty cool. Or you can probably just look it up on, uh, on YouTube. I forgive it all. Uh, Tom Petty. Pretty cool. You know, I
0: was um, cleaning my, you, know, you know, I've been I in process in the last three or four days pretty heavily, and. Um, right. I was cleaning out my email. just kind of look. I was looking for a certain email, trying to clean them out for something that I needed to take care of. And I, I, right. I found my saved my saved email file. I had one saved email, and I opened it up, and it was from a friend of mine. That the first time I read it, it was the last correspondence I had with this friend, in, 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 a, in a letter form. And the first first time, first ten times I read it, it, just, it was just, it just stirred fear in me and scared me and it just really tore me up. Well, I opened it up and read it yesterday for the first time in four months, and it was right. The most, it was the most beautiful letter anybody has ever written to me.
3: Sweet. Nothing like doing your work to change perception, eh?
0: It does. It does. Cool.
3: Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Well, it looks like Thank we're you. probably going to be, hey, delighted, glad to be on the team, glad to have you on ours. It looks like uh, we're probably going to be back to Heartland on Tuesday, so uh, if you want to head that way for Tuesday, that would be awesome.
0: Perfect. I'm going to be leaving here Sunday morning, so I take my Saturday. We'll look, look forward to, to seeing you. So. All right, you, does it
3: look like your son's going to join you, or is he heading back north?
0: No, he's heading back to Maine.
3: Okay, well, we'll hold the space for him when he's ready. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. All right, bless, bless you. Take care. Right, Bye. Delighted, honored.
0: We All do right, have
2: another call We've got about five minutes. Let's go for it. Awesome. 336. You're on the air. Who do we have? Joan from Greensboro. Hey, how are you, young lady? I'm good. I'm good. Um, Continuing on the demon theme here, I was in the grocery store, and my bill came to $6.66, and the cashier said, wow, look at this. And he may have even circled it, and I knew that it wasn't bad, but I can't remember why it wasn't bad. Right. Well, you know,
3: if you look at it, you know, you, you look at people, if you look at the original instructions in the Aramaic, Basically, what they were saying to us is you need to live in the mind of love or the mind of what the scriptures called Christ, which in Aramaic, the word that was used, it's been translated to the Greeks as Christ. It wasn't a name. It represented a direct open channel to the mind of God, of love. And so when you recognize that here we have as our birthright living connected to that newborn energy, that newborn space of pure love, What's the only thing that can take us out of that newborn space of pure love? It's what's stored in our generational patterns in the body-mind unit. And if you ask a modern day, and, you know, I contend over and over again that the Aramaic Yeshua was a physicist. He wasn't a theologian. If you, And they understood the, the physics of what was going on. If you look back, they tell you that there's the mind of love, well, or God, or Christ, and then there's the Antichrist. And the Antichrist has a number. Where is the Antichrist stored? It's stored within our own cellular memory system. That's where the demons are. And if you ask a modern-day physicist what the human so-called body is made of, they'll tell you that its base element is carbon. And if you look at a carbon atom, a carbon atom structure is six electrons, six protons, six neutrons, 666. They were describing the storage place of the hostility and fear-based mind. It's the generational patterns in the genes and in the physiology stored in carbon-based memory. And forgiveness is about removing from carbon-based memory what never belonged. That's all it meant. But people have attached all kinds of evil omens and all sorts of things to it that are just silly.
2: Yeah, thank, thank you. Delighted. Glad and to be so, on the team. Michael, I, Je- unless, go ahead. I missed it, unless I missed it, that carbon is made up of.
3: Correct. The carbon atom is made up of six electrons, six protons, six neutrons. Did I not say that?
2: You may have, and I might have missed it typing in the chat room. Okay, cool. Cool. Well, anything else we can support you with? We're down to about two minutes. No, no, thank you so much.
3: Well, delighted. I hope your day is
2: blessed. Yes, thank you. You too. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.
3: So, everyone, we're honored you've joined us once again today. If the show's meaningful to you, grab the MP3 from our website, send it to somebody as an attachment in an email. Download it, put it on your phone, listen to it. Pass it on. Invite a stranger to come to the show with you on Monday. Monday is Miracle Monday. So, Invite a stranger to come and join, you with, uh, with you, join with you in hearing the show on Monday. And if you're ready to take your work to the next level, we have uh, four different events happening at Heartland this summer, starting on the 1st of August. We'll do a 10-day food fund forgiveness and work program. It's an economy program. You can come to Heartland and be exposed to tools. Uh, we'll be doing some mind shifters and still-point breathing. We'll do a uh, workshop each evening. And during the day, we'll be doing work projects on the property to get the property ready for the intensives. So you can come and spend 10 days with us for $750 to be eating some of the most awesome food on the planet. Ari says he's got some new recipes, some new cooked recipes he's going to be doing in that particular workshop. We do cooked food. Then we're going to do a nine-day Why Is This Happening to Me Again in a process format. We'll cover Why Is This Happening to Me Again, Healing to Relationships, Communication. Did you hear what I think I said? Purpose, Personal Power and Commitment, Empowered to Heal, mind shifters, hands-on energy field work, and still point breathing. So that will be a nine-day intensive. And that intensive is fifteen seventy-five for everything, food, accommodations, workshop, workshop materials. We still have the offer of 15 free DVDs uh, that goes along with that until the 30th of the month. We'll be doing a three-day. The three-day isn't actually an intensive. It's a training for using the... Uh, uh, Personal Code Evaluation Program. So we'll be doing a three-day training on that for people who are going to be teaching work, working with people to understand how that thing is uh, interpreted. And it's now we have digitally available. And then we'll do a 16-day Laws of Living. And that 16-day Laws of Living will, uh, again, once again, include everything, food, accommodations, workshop materials. There's about a 200-page book that goes with it on Laws of Living. And powerful, powerful process. We invite you to join us. Have the best year yet of your eternal life. Blessings. Bye-bye.